Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Alright, what's up you beauties? Welcome to another episode of HW In Case You Missed It, where I'll catch you up on all the daily news around the NHL and any news pertaining to your Philadelphia Flyers, just in case you missed it. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, and now YouTube. Help us out. We're only, I think we're at 71, so we picked up a couple followers overnight. Help us get to 150. We're going to give away some prizes this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Some big surprises for you guys. Uh, quick shout out to our affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. Bellyupsports, they do what the others don't. And while you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. We do what the others do and maybe a little bit of what the others don't. I don't know. So obviously, by now, if you're a Flyers fan, you know, they got Ryan Ellis. Huge news. It's created a whole stream of positivity on Flyers Twitter. It's actually fun to be a Flyers fan right now. Um, and not only did the Flyers get Ryan Ellis, but I got him. I got Marco Diamico, the hockey expert, to join us for the episode. He's going to uh, kind of fill us in. You guys, as well as myself, because admittedly, I, I haven't been keeping up with the draft this year. Um, I don't want Chuck to use the pick. We've said it before. So Marco's going to come on and he's going to kind of fill us in on you know what to expect, who's going to go where, uh, maybe where the Flyers should go with their pick, if they should keep it. Uh, if they do, who's going to be available to them, who we should be looking for. And uh, hey, Marco's a fellow Paisan. He, was, uh, he shared the same excitement as I did and a lot of us did when, when Italy won the Euro. Uh, Marco uh, also had a vested interest in the Stanley Cup finals. He's a Montreal Canadiens fan, so we'll kind of hear some of his stories and perspective, you know, watching uh, his favorite team in the Cup. Um, but what I do want to talk about first before Marco joins us in just a couple minutes is, uh, you know, obviously Ryan Ellis, big deal, right? And it's created a domino effect because I think, I don't know, for a couple weeks there, things were looking grim, right? If you're a Flyers fan. And guys, Feel free to comment in the, in the comment section. Share your excitement. I know you guys are just as excited as I am. Uh, I, lo I love to see the uh, the comments and, and interact with you guys. So uh, let's have some fun. It's created a domino effect, though, right? We got the, you know, maybe the number one pair D to match up with Provorov. A lot of guys are saying, hey, maybe Ellis could be the two-pair guy. That's fine. I, I think he's the top pair guy for now. Um, maybe they go out and get a guy a little bit younger who eventually takes Ellis' spot. Because, yeah, Ellis is 30 years old, but he's going to be here for, you know, five, six years to the end of that contract. So maybe they look at a guy like Adam Larson, who's a little bit younger, right, and maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe takes the reins from him one day, and uh, who knows. I'm not going to speculate on that, but Adam Larson's a name, a guy I'd love. Hey, what's up, Chris, in the comments? Thanks for uh, hanging out, man. Um, Adam Larson, a guy I would love. I think he would pair perfectly with Travis Sanheim. And I, I'm kind of out on the Dougie Hamilton, obviously the Seth Jones stuff. Hey, I'm not, if it happens, I'm not going to be upset. Are you kidding me? But I think spending that kind of money on a top pair D guy after acquiring Ryan Ellis, you don't need to do it. Travis, uh, and don't laugh when I say this, 
Travis Sanheim is supposed to be your offensive puck-moving defenseman. I think you need to unlock it. I've said it many times before. Find a guy that can unlock it. Adam Larson could be that guy. But uh, also, David Savard can be that guy. And I know he's not a sexy pick, not a sexy name. Uh, but but let me show you guys a little something about David Savard. Because just in case you haven't watched him play all that often, right? He's not a flashy name, not a flashy guy. Here you go right here. Rock got back. The pass picked off. But here's Perry dashing in on the right side. Perry can't get it to the net. Good, strong defensive play by David Savard. This one... All the way for an icing call against the Canadians. So you just saw excellent defense, and that was Corey Perry. He bodied off, and these guys weren't flying into the corner; they were kind of gliding. He's a strong guy, strong on his skates, right? Let me show you another example of why you need a, a David Savard. These Capitals have got to be—they got to be out of gas. They've been on the ice since better than five minutes remain, and here on in. Wilson's going to drop again. the gloves with Savard, and Savard is protecting Gavrikov. Gavrikov took a high hit from Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson showing a little frustration. And how about David Savard? Wilson got the jump early, and now David Savard just holding on here. David is not a guy that drops the gloves, but he's willing to throw that last one. Good on David to stand up to Tom Wilson. So obviously he didn't win that fight, but it's not about winning the fight. It's sticking up for your guys. That's leadership, right? You're not going to take that kind of crap. You're going to bury my guy in the corner. You're going to have to answer for it. Put a little bit of doubt in the opponent's mind. You're not going to be, you know, jackknife power bombing Scott Lawton at center ice. You don't want Oscar Lindblom to be the guy that's got to drop the gloves. Okay. So again, Savard is not that, he's not the enf enforcer type guy. But he's going to stick up for his teammates when he has to. And I, I think he's a guy that can fill in perfectly next to Travis Sanheim. Now, what you might not know that David Savard has in his game is this right here. Because he's, he's known for his, uh, his defense, his physical play, strong on his skates. He's not known for this, but he has it in his repertoire. Check this out. Look at him. That's Victor Hedman. He just deeks out. Boom. Goal. That's Vasilevsky. That's not Shane Gossespierre. That's not Victor. I mean, that is Victor Hedman. He's skating around, but boom. David Savard, known for his defense, got a little bit of offense in him. Guys, let's bring in our guest. The one and only, Marco Diamico. Marco, thanks for hanging out with me once again, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. How are you? Doing great. Hey, I like your haircut. You and I both. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so a lot to catch up on with you. Obviously, I want to talk the draft, but... What I'm most excited to talk to you about is your Montreal can Italy, of course, in the Euro. Yeah. Right? But Montreal, dude, like I told you in, in the in the DMs, I was rooting for them all playoff long, actually all season long, right? Because there were a lot of people out there who weren't crazy about some of the moves Bergevin was making and whatnot. I loved them. I want to hear what, what you what you thought. Your your kind of uh, you know, what your thoughts were uh, over the course of your season and then once you guys got into the playoffs. I think there was a lot of expectation at the beginning of the season. I think that if you look at what they went and did, uh, the players they went and got, I think it was understood. The GM even said it, you know, we're going to be competing here. We, we feel like we can contend. Now, it started off really well playing against Vancouver six times in 10 <laughs> games. Um, but apparently everybody had success against Vancouver. 
So what did that do? It created false expectations, and then injuries started to occur to Josh Anderson, to Carey Price, to Shea Weber, to Jeff Petrie, and you start losing some guys on and, and leaving a pretty young roster. You know, Suzuki, uh, Kakaniemi, Romanov, pretty much to themselves, and and they started dipping. Um, unfortunately, uh, they got hit with COVID. I mean, everybody in in your division got hit with COVID anyway, so you guys all know what this is about. Yeah, and they were never able to get their their bearings right, mm. and. Ultimately, they were able to limp into the playoffs based on the fact that they were able to wipe the floor with Vancouver to start the season and the fact that Calgary was beating itself. Um, but really, I think what people started to believe on in, in this team uh, is when you started seeing the turnaround in the series versus Toronto. Now, you guys have your rivalry versus Pittsburgh. And man, is it really fun to see uh, from an outsider when, when Philly plays Pittsburgh in the playoffs. But Montreal has not played Toronto in the playoffs in 42 years. Because <laughs> they were in the time. Western Conference. Exactly. It's, it's a ridiculously long time. Hey, I, I'll tell you just from some uh, reading some Twitter messages, there's no shortage of hate for each side there, man. They're still whining about that series <laughs> in two months. <laughs> I mean, look, it was, it, was, it was ridiculous. Even if the Habs would have lost in Game 7, it was a crazy series. But... The overtime heroics, uh, Carey Price basically standing on his head, uh, and then going to uh, Winnipeg and basically just sweeping them yep. right off the bat. You know, it's it was crazy. But I think where everybody started going bonkers is is when they were able to beat the Vegas Golden Knights because on paper Vegas should have steamrolled Montreal, and. Yet, you know, Montreal was able to play a tight checking game. They were able to get exceptional offense from Suzuki, from Caulfield, uh, who really kind of just stepped into the playoffs and was a top six player right off the bat. You know, kind of like Joel Farabi for you guys, just stepping in and being a top six player right off the bat. Um, these are the kinds of players that you want in the playoffs. And Montreal got peak value from young players at the right time. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to get past Tampa Bay, but... No one's been able to get past Tampa Bay in two years. So no. it's nothing to be sad about. Um, basically, the moment they beat the Islanders, I pretty much was like, okay, <laughs> don't sad. get swept. Just don't <laughs> get swept. That's all I care about. Just don't get swept. And they didn't get swept. But, I mean, again, as you pointed out, you know, Montreal getting to the final, Italy winning the Euro. It's been one heck of a, of a summer for me sports-wise. So I wasn't too bitter about it. Um, but I will say that, I think this is as far as Montreal is going to go for a long time with the news that we're hearing about Carey Price, about Shea Weber, and now potentially even Philip Deneau leaving for free agency. Um, it was a really nice run. The city was electric uh, at a time where uh, things were starting to open up from a COVID perspective, and uh, it was a fun ride. Longest playoff, uh, yeah, longest playoffs of my conscious life. <laughs> Dude, I was gonna say uh, I was I was jealous, but I wasn't jealous. I was kind of you know just as happy for you guys. You know, it, the Flyers obviously it wasn't their year, and if if there's a team that I you know want to say I root for, you know besides the Flyers, it, it's Montreal. And I love the way the the Bergevin put that team together. Uh, you know, they were just grinding the hell out of teams, man, and they just had more will, more determination. Their their defense is just massive. You know, you wanted them to win for Carey Price. Um, and I like that Bergevin has balls like in, in a cap era, you don't really see the things that he does, you know, happen as often. And so 
you just I just love it. It's like, all right, do you like that's how like the Flyers used to be like. They used to go out and get guys. They offer sheeted Shea Weber, you know, a couple years back. And it, it's just so rare that you see that. You know, Bergevin obviously uh, offer sheeted Ajo. I think it was last summer or the summer before. Yeah, you just don't two see summers. It. Yeah, you. Do, I mean, look, I agree. Although I will say that the Ryan Ellis trade for for Philadelphia was just like. Yeah, that's the only way to describe it. It's I can't believe that the loser in the three way trade was Vegas. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, I feel like there was excellent value to, in my honest opinion, I don't think Nolan Patrick as much as a, of a future. And yet here you are taking Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick and turning it into right. arguably a number three could be a number two on your team. And he's a right shot. Like it's, it look, I great deal. Great. The moment I saw it, I, I was just like, Oh man, you and Josh <laughs> must be going crazy right now. Yeah. And, and, I'm very happy that you guys were able to go and get him and not overpay up the wazoo for a Seth Jones because I feel like Ryan Ellis is what you need for Provorov on the top pair. So you, you guys are getting ballsy too. And, you know, leaving Voracek exposed, uh, I mean, things might be pretty wild for the Flyers this summer too. So we're, we're keep hoping posting. so, man. And Josh actually was the one that uh, let us know about the trade in the Slack chat. And I thought he was busting oh. my balls at first. I'm like, there's no way that this is real. Is this real? Right. <laughs> and it, it would like, that's crazy. It's like a video game trade. Like you trade your two, um, two, you know, less good. I'm not going to say worse Two of your lesser players for, you know, Ryan Ellis. It's like, that's not right. Is it? So yeah, we were all pretty, ex- we were all pretty stoked about that. And it's led into, you know, a, a multitude of different scenarios that we're all coming up with now. And, you know, maybe the Flyers are in on Tarasenko. Maybe they're going to flip forward check. Are they going to keep the 13th overall pick? And that's kind of, you know, what I want to transition into you for because the draft is sort of uh, your expertise, right? Yeah, normally you would, I would be all over this, uh, you know, videos and everything. And yet this was the most difficult year to scout players or watch mm-hmm. players of all time. Like yeah. I, even trying to begin to create, uh, a ranking like kudos <laughs> to everybody who has because it is so difficult you're you're evaluating players on different levels yeah. and they all yes covid had its effect on us socially but it had its effect on the sport especially from an amateur perspective there were certain leagues especially in on in, in the ontario hockey league uh, a huge hockey market and, and and factory of star players they didn't even play the only video we have is some of them went to go and play in Europe for, you know, Slovenia or uh, Slovakia in certain cases. And then the under 18 tournament that we had uh, in May and June. So there's not much to go on based on what we usually have. And yet the scouting community hasn't missed a beat and it's really fun to see. And a lot of resources are being shared and, Honestly, this is a good year to be picking between 10 and 20, in my opinion, because I don't think the top 10 has ridiculous talent. But I do think that there's good talent between 10 to 15 uh, that normally in other drafts between 10 and 15 uh, would be admirably uh, coveted if you wanted to trade up, per se. Hmm. Interesting. So admittedly, I haven't followed, you know, draft and, and prospects as much this year as I did last year. A lot of the reason is because I don't just don't know who's coming out. Oh, you and the I second, both. And the second reason is I want Chuck Fletcher to do – I want him to get rid of this pick. I think yeah. it's time to you know upgrade a, 
a position on the current roster. Um, you know, I could go into this whole thing about how I think this entire organization owes Claude Giroux a, a legitimate shot at the Stanley Cup. I can and, relate. And yeah, and and keeping the 13th overall pick, in my opinion, does the opposite of, of that. It shows him the opposite. You know, if you use this pick on a young guy who's, you know, not going to develop for another two, three years, doesn't help Claude Giroux win a cup. I, I, he's getting up there. I believe he's 33, 34. You give him at least one shot because they, they basically wasted his career. And so with this pick, I'm hoping they trade it. Uh, we had one of our writers, Johnny, uh, you know, throw a couple names out in an article. And, you know, if, if you don't mind, I'll throw a couple of these names out to you. Yeah, and, go for and it. Kind of get your opinion here. So, uh, like I said, the Flyers pick 13. Uh, one of the names he has here, not likely to fall to 13, but if the Flyers do end up using the pick, um, he has Cole Sillinger. Can you tell us anything about Cole Sillinger? Cole Sillinger is a beast. Um, I really liked watching him last year. Uh, and then again, he went, uh, he, he was supposed to go and play for the WHL, but they weren't playing until January. And then even then it was like a tournament rule. So he went and played in the USHL and he was just dynamite scoring from practically anywhere. He plays a very physical game. Uh, of, he drives to the net. He's a guy that if you're patient enough for Jim and he's available and he, the 13th overall pick is there, I wouldn't cry about picking him up because mm. I've, he just crashed. He, how about I put it this way? The way that Hayes plays for you guys, um, that, that kind of like all over the ice, big body just kind of goes to the net. Imagine that with a little bit of a mean streak mm. and that gives you Cole Sillinger. I really, really like his shooting mechanics. I think that he would be an exceptional player to pick at that point. Um, I think in fact, I have him right around that range as well. Um, there may be some teams, cause again, this is a volatile draft after like yeah. pick one yeah. or two, <laughs> basically after the first two picks after that, it's just like open field. Um, but if he's available at 13, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shy. I would basically trade almost every other prospect, uh, Cam York included and keep Sillinger because he has attributes that are rare in any draft and okay. to have that kind of goal scoring ability to boot i mean he has defensive uh shortcomings he's got to work on his skating but again these are all things that you work on as you progress as a prospect so for me again if he's there you take him as soon as i saw uh big forward below average skating ability right away my mind went to yeah this is a flyers draft pick <laughs> Because they always seem to they always seem to get these bigger guys that you know can uh, can't skate yet. Um, the next guy on Johnny's list is Chaz Lucius. An interesting pick. Um, I think a lot of people having him in the teens. I think he's going to probably go earlier. And the reason being is he's probably, in my opinion, he's the best North American goal scorer uh, available. Um, I think. It could be argued that he's the best goal scorer in the draft as well. Uh, just gets you from anywhere. For the U.S. national development team, he was just all over the place. Uh, scoring at pretty wild rates. Not Cole Caulfield rates, but just like just a shade under in terms of, of, of goal scoring ability. Um, and again, that wasn't an all-star team that played for the U.S. national development team this year, as opposed to what we saw in 2019. Um, so the fact that he was able to just basically pick up a puck and, and curl and drag and score from basically any, you know, whichever circle he picked um, always dangerous whenever he had the puck and his play continued to improve as the season went on, which is what scouts are looking for that progressional curve. So again, Cole Sillinger, 
Uh, Chaz Lucius, you have goal scorers available at that point. And I've been listening to you talk about how, you know, there's a desperation for goal scoring ability, uh, especially on the wing. So these are guys similar to what you were talking about with Montreal. These are guys that maybe not even a year into after, uh, after being drafted could sign turn pro and join the flyers in the playoffs uh, and provide value because they have goal scoring ability that isn't teachable. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, Hopefully they're not making any deals with Montreal then when uh, when they pick at 13 if they pick at 13. Unlikely. <laughs> uh third guy on this list and you know it seems like a, a name that could that the Flyers could take or you know it kind of sounds like a Carolina Hurricanes pick Fabian Lysel. Man, if Fabian Lysel like there's a lot to unpack here but Fabian Lysel is dropping in the draft. Um for reasons unknown to most people, uh, a lot of people have him in that range. I personally think he's a top 10 talent. I think he's got the speed. Uh, I think he's got the dynamic ability. I feel like if you want a guy to electrify a line, you're going to put Lysel on it. He is just ridiculous. Wow. He made a lot of, I wouldn't say talented players, but a lot of players who would generically not stand out like a Simon Robertson uh, you know, for Team Sweden when they played the U18s, he made them look really good because he was just all over the ice, a water bug, uh, at, and really good at, at recuperating pucks, distributing pucks, and even if needed, putting the puck in the net. He was just all over the place. The I guess the main concerns is, you know, will he be able to translate that ability to the NHL? Uh, seeing as he's not a big guy, he's an undersized forward, uh, not necessarily physical. Uh, but we've seen, you know, if a player is able to play against men and in tight situations or in championship situations, generally that translates well nowadays to the NHL. And I mean, again, Cole Caulfield is my favorite example because he's, again, 5'7", not the fastest, but good agility. And I feel like Lysel has a lot of that in his game as well. Not necessarily as gifted a goal scorer, but a very good playmaker. So, again, not a bad choice. And this is why I'm saying your spot is intriguing because you're going to get a lot of that trickle down effect of what happens in the top 10. And, you know, we've spoken about three guys and there's a, probably another two off the top of my mind that I could probably name that would be good picks for the flyers. I again state that the most interesting place to pick in this draft is between 10 and 15. Wow. So now you, you kind of make me want to keep it. Uh, I'd or, trade or somebody least, else. <laughs> <laughs> or at least wait, you know, before they're about to use the pick. You know, because I'm sure a team's going to pressure pressure them into something before the pick even gets to them, right? Because they don't want the Flyers waiting around for their guy. So, it. But if I'm Chuck Fletcher, maybe I'm hanging on to that. I'm seeing what I can get done. You know, maybe I can get Tarasenko. That's the rumor, anyway. So let's just go with it. Maybe they get Tarasenko without using the first round pick, and you know, maybe they go sign a free agent defenseman, defenseman like some of the guys uh, I was talking about earlier in your ep- episode, in Adam Larson or David Savard, all of a sudden you just upgraded three positions. You know, you, you've acquired three new players in Ellis, don't you say Savard, and Tarasenko, and you still have your first-round pick. You know, I don't know if there's something bigger in the works. Let's just, you know, who knows? But if they can get those moves done and still use this pick on one of the guys we're talking about now, that's a hell of an offseason, I think, from Chuck Fletcher. Now, I know you said you have two guys in mind. I have one more guy on this list. Let's see if he's one of them, and that's Carson Lambos. I kind of 
thought that I would stay away from defensemen with Philadelphia for a very long time. <laughs> Especially a left shot defenseman. I think yeah. you guys have like cornered the market on first round pick left shot defensemen for the last like 10 years. You're telling good. me, man. They take forever to develop. Oh yeah. And and then if they develop, you know, it's it's really it it's it's something. And I I think that you know, before Ryan Ellis was drafted, I was even looking at Corson Cullins, uh, who's a right shot defenseman in this draft, because I was like, okay, I think this is the year where they finally have to go right on this and not left. No, and in fact, I think any defenseman choice at this point, I wouldn't try to. A guy like Carson, uh, again, one of those uh, kids that when the WHL was kind of slow to get organized, immediately jumped and went to go and play uh, overseas. Uh, he played for GYP, I believe in the Finnish elite league or the Finnish Liga, as we say. Uh, and he looked good. Like he was very mobile, uh, partook in the offense. Doesn't necessarily translate as an offensive defenseman, more defensive, uh, but two way. Um, not very attractive right now, uh, considering what you guys currently have up in the pipeline. Um, but definitely a solid pick starting at 15 to 20. Uh, okay. I definitely see a team like Winnipeg where he's from be interested in him, but I would think that that would be a reach at 13. Okay. Now you said you had two more names in mind. What, uh, who are they? Matthew Coronado is okay. one that for me, like if, 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 if sorry, if available, Man, oh man, you would get excited. Uh, this guy ripped up the USHL, pretty much broke records uh, with a Montreal Canadiens prospect, actually, Sean Farrell. Um, and they just ran roughshod uh, for the Chicago Steel. They basically broke scoring records. He has the record for the most uh, for the most cumulative amount of games where a goal is scored. Like it's just, I think he had like thirty consecutive games with a goal. Are you kidding? Um, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It's they destroyed this league. And this is because uh, Sean Farrell uh, was supposed to go to Harvard. Harvard, unfortunately, didn't have a season. So he went back to the USHL. And those two just found chemistry and took over. And really what's, what's to like about Coronado is he's good at everything. He's a little guy. He's about 5'10", but heart of a lion everywhere. Speed, shot, vision, edge work, uh, motor goes into traffic, can run your power play. The biggest knock on him is that scouts haven't seen him coming for a long time. He really kind of exploded this year. And when you're looking at players, especially when you're lacking a lot of that tape on players over a 56, 60, 80 game season, including playoffs, and you get limited to like 30 games and you see a player like Coronado who plays like 65, 70, and you see that he was able to dominate the whole time that speaks volume, and that's why he's skyrocketed from a potential second-round pick at the beginning of the year to a cannot-miss mid-round, uh, mid-first-round pick. Uh, so for me, definitely a guy that we could even see go before the Flyers pick, but if he's there when the Flyers pick, I wouldn't be sad. Not to mention, Coronado sounds like uh, an Italian last name. Oh, he as, is. As we saw over the summer, or, or a couple weeks ago, being Italian's a good thing. Champions it works. It works. <laughs> um, and one more name on your list. Um, Fedor Zvechkov. And, the you know, a lot of people aren't talking about him because he plays in Russia. But really, he's at that junction, probably the most complete center you could get. Uh, he can play defense. He can play offense. He can play wing. He can play center. 
Um, but really what sets him apart is he thinks the game faster than you can play it. And I think that that's the best way you could, you could describe him. I feel like the fear is that eventually he will, it will take time for him to get to the NHL, maybe a year, maybe two, once his contract expires in the KHL. But once he lands, he'll land and he'll slot right into a top nine at 20. And in my opinion, it's just, will he be a top line center? No, but will he be, you know, a two with solid defensive ability? I think so. And so once you're at 13 and you look at this draft and you're saying there's not that many pure centers and a guy like Svechkov is available, ah, you got to think about it. And I think teams are going to think about it earlier than when Philly picks. So if available, again, not a bad choice. This is a great year for you guys to not pick a defenseman. (laughs) I hope they don't. I was very happy with with how Chuck went last year and, uh, you know, using the first round pick on Tyson Forrester was the guy I wanted. I wanted a big, you know, powerful uh, player that can shoot. And Tyson's that. Um, Chuck's been making a lot of the, at least in my opinion, I don't know if like, you know, we have the same thought process or whatever. We were looking for the same players, but a lot of the things that I would like him to do, like going out and getting Ryan Ellis, drafting Tyson Forrester, Trading the 13th out. No, I'm just kidding. Not yet. But he seems to be making the right moves again after seemingly taking a year off, right? Flyers didn't make any moves or at least none that helped this group of guys. And yeah, I mean, there we just listed five, six, seven guys uh, that now I would feel comfortable taking at 13. Having said that, you know, these are some pretty good prospects and you could probably get a good roster player back by trading the pick by listening to Chuck and and hearing him talk. It sounds like he's trying to hang on to assets for future players while making moves to the current roster. And that's what we kind of, I'm not going to say the word hate, but Hextall neglected somewhat the NHL roster while, you know, keeping all of his uh, future assets and picks and whatnot. And all we wanted was, Hey, don't forget about the NHL roster. And that's kind of what it looks like Fletcher's doing. He's trying to save all of his future assets while still, you know, creating what we're hoping to be a contending uh, Flyers team or, or at least a perennial, you know, playoff team year after year after year. Because as Montreal just showed, once you get in, anything can happen. It's, Absolutely. It's, if, if you're built for the playoffs, you can advance. You just got to get in. I, I agree, and I think I, I guess the best way I could position it for you is the uh, uh, draft pick is its most valuable 10 seconds before you have to make the pick. Yeah. And so if it's going to be traded, it'll be, it'll be traded on the virtual draft floor, uh, in my opinion. And even if a pick is made, uh, don't worry about it because, again, a player that's picked 13th overall generally speaking unless they have a catastrophe you know a catastrophe of a follow-up season is a very good trade asset at the deadline and so i really wouldn't worry about what happens per se in this moment because you've already went and got what most teams salivate to get which is you know basically a top four right-handed shot defenseman uh the rest of your roster is pretty much intact and if you are indeed in on tarasenko well, then that's a very complete top nine with young players pushing up uh, because there's a few young forwards that you guys have playing in Lay Valley. So yep. there's a there's 
as we talked about this last year and, and as we see Chuck this year, I think they're pushing in the right direction while a few teams in, in the, in the metropolitan division are actually trending the other way right now. Like we we might see a Kuznetsov trade from Washington. That's going to hurt them for sure. Uh, Pittsburgh's not going to be the same, uh, especially if they have to trade Malkin. I mean, this is, this is your time. I don't think the Rangers are there yet either. So th- I, this is Philly's time to make the playoffs and, and do some noise. And I think that Chuck sees that. I hope you're right. I mean, that, Hey, you just heard it from the hockey expert, one of the most sensible, logical guys in, in hockey Twitter that you're going to find. Um, I hope, actually, I know our listeners enjoyed listening to you, Marco. Um, uh, having said that, you know, we're about 33, 34 minutes in. I kept you for 25 minutes instead of 20. I could talk to you all night about hockey, really. It's but, all uh, good, man. <laughs> I know we got stuff to do. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Where can they find your work? And uh, yeah. Well, you can find me on Twitter at, at the hockey expert. And I'll be releasing, for those that are interested in the draft, I'll be releasing a mock draft uh, probably within the next 48 hours, and that can be found at scrimmageandstats.com. But if you just want to find the link, you can find me on Twitter. Awesome. I was actually looking for that before the show. I was like, oh, man, is Mark going to do it? Because I saw the the expansion draft on it, and that was pretty good. Let's talk about real quick. I noticed that you didn't have Seattle taking Carey Price. You had him taking uh, Brett Kulak. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I look – some people are going to be like, wow, he's a Montreal fan. What is that? No, I actually <laughs> removed myself from the equation. And I think to myself, who in their right mind, other than Montreal and Florida, would want to spend $10 million on a goalie that's not the best goalie in the world right now? Hmm. And that's no disrespect to Carey Price. Andre Vasilevsky pretty much proved that he's the best and he's making 9.5, but he's in Tampa. No taxes. Yeah. When you're the Montreal Canadiens and you're exposing Carey Price, it's because you know that he's not going to start the NHL season. And that has no value to Seattle because they need butts in the seats and the stars on the ice to start and to basically have Carey Price on LTIR for the first two, three, four months of the season while he's coming back from knee and hip injuries. I don't know. I really don't know. I think it takes away their entire cap flexibility to do so. I think that you can get more value picking up guys like Jordan Eberle, who's been exposed Voracek that's been exposed, uh, Tarasenko possibly that's been exposed. There are a lot of high salary players. Um, you know, in Calgary, Mark Giordano has been exposed. There are a lot of players that can be taken at high salaries that can have an impact, a more profound impact, whilst not handicapping them on the cap. Yep. And Even goaltenders. Oh, absolutely. Even goaltenders. I mean, they're going to sign uh, Chris Jeeger from Florida. So that's already one goalie out of the way. Yep. And then. You have Holpe, you have Bishop, you have Vanishek, you have uh, Matt Murray. Um, there are a lot of players, uh, especially net available, that could kind of slot in as a 1B, 1A with, with Drieger. So to me, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. I think that both sides are posturing and Seattle's simply just trying to extract yeah. an asset out of Montreal. And well, you said it, Mark Bergevin is a poker player that has brass balls. <laughs> Dude, that, that's exactly what it is. It's all, it's all cat and mouse and it's coming out, you know, Seattle's coming out with something and Montreal's throwing something out there and, you know, it's all fun. Uh, but, you know, I guess if you're a Montreal fan, you're like, Oh my God, this is nuts. Like you don't know what to believe. Yeah. If people, you know, if it was Philly, we'd all be having heart attacks, you know? Well, we're having, a lot of people are having heart attacks right now, especially <laughs> like Carrie Price lifers. Like he's been in the organization 16 years. People are flipping out. I can the imagine, best, man. The best thing I can say is that there's already a rivalry between Montreal and Seattle, and Seattle hasn't even hit the X yet. 
Dude, that's great. I love it. I freaking love it. I can't wait. I can't wait for the expansion draft. Can't wait for the NHL draft. And uh, hey, maybe we can get together after the draft to uh, talk about what happened and uh, see where you know see where our teams are going. You hit me up. I'll be there. All right. Sounds good, Marco. So at that, we're going to end the show. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow night with Jack and Kyle.